So good morning. I, I, I love that time when we get to, to kind of spend a bit of time just chit-chatting. Sometimes I, I look out and uh, I just see, see your faces. It's nice to see you. It's nice to see who's here. I kind of look around and I see, I look for faces of people that I don't recognize and it's really nice to see you. And, um, you know, just the different conversations that are kind of taking place. You know, some of you, you, you know each other and your friends and some people, you don't really know anyone here. You've just come today and maybe this is your first time and I'm hoping that someone will take the, the opportunity to say hello to you. Uh, something that we're quite... Uh, renowned for is hopefully being welcoming of one another and uh, I, I guess the thing that I was just pondering there is uh, is simply we're, we're all on a different journey aren't we we're all running the race I love that verse I nearly got it tattooed on my leg but Chantel wouldn't let me it's not that funny <laughs> about running the race marked out for us with perseverance and I just thought, you know, we're all on that journey. And some of us uh, haven't yet given our yes to Jesus. And uh, your journey is yet to begun, actually. But many of us, we, we've been on that journey for some time now. And the thing is this, the Lord knows. He knows where you are at this very moment. He knows that he is the answer to your prayers. He knows you in your seeking of him. He knows of your sadness. He knows of your loss and your pain. And he knows of the dreams that he's placed inside your heart. And he's just inviting us week after week after week that we <coughs> would go before him and, and give our yes to him. We come each Sunday, and some of you, you're like, Flip, I don't even know how I got here this morning. It was such a mad rush. Some of you are here, and you're thinking, goodness, how did I even get here this morning? There's a reason, there's a purpose. He's in the room, and he's here, longing just to meet with you. Oh, my goodness, look at the difference when you speak into the microphone <laughs> instead of over here. There we go. Great stuff. We are on our journey talking about the book of Proverbs. We are uh, following a book written by Bill Hybels called Making Life Work. And so far we've talked about wisdom, which is the common theme of the book of Proverbs. And last week we talked about taking initiative, making decisions, actually getting off of our derriere, is that the polite word? And actually going and doing something. And I wonder what choices you've made over the last week. I wonder what life-giving decisions and choices that you made over the course of the last week. And as I'm kind of scanning the room, I'm not going to embarrass this person, but I saw this person, he's part of our church community, completed her, that gives, that kind of narrows it down, her fast, first park run yesterday in Carrickfergus. And she was absolutely delighted, in fact mortified to see me, uh, but congratulations to that person. What a life-giving decision. Uh, decision or change or whatever that that person is making. Uh, this morning, we want to talk about doing good. Doing good. Not that we would be goody two-shoes or any of that stuff, but doing good. It comes as an overflow of our hearts, of what God has done in our lives. It just comes as a byproduct. It comes as second nature to us. 
that we would do good to others, that we, as we love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with our strength, our minds, our all, that he calls us to love our neighbor as ourselves. Uh, about two or three weeks ago, before Sunday started, I was, I was in the building and I went and visited some of the rooms, some of the rooms up this direction, there are some of the classrooms where our children are meeting. And I went deliberately to encourage some of our young people who actually uh, give of their Sundays as well. It's not just grown-ups who volunteer and give their time, but some of our teenagers are in some of the groups as well. And I went into one of the rooms, I think it was Sparklers, and uh, there was this teenage boy whose uh, identity will be protected. And I basically said to, to this lad, I was like, oh, how you doing? It's so good that you're here. And I got the strong impression this lad did not want to be there. Like, it was obvious. He was not hiding the fact that he was grumpy, that he was being made to kind of go there. And I kind of thought about it. I thought, fair play to you. Fair play. Teenage lad on a Sunday morning would rather right now be lying in their bed or playing the PlayStation. And I thought, fair play to you, mate. You have gotten up out of your bed, you've gotten dressed, and you're in there setting up the room, preparing an environment, a life-giving environment for younger children to come and meet with Jesus, but also have some fun and hopefully have the two at the same time. And I began to sort of say those things to this person. And you could see in their eyes, like the lights began to kind of switch on and go, oh yeah, that's, that's what I'm doing here. And I began to explain that this person hadn't quite seen the life-giving choice. It is for this person as they do good for other people, that they too are blessed. And I try to kind of encourage, I say, do you not realize those young lads and young girls down there, they look up to you and they think you're brilliant. They love it when you get down on your hands and knees because the older people can't quite get down on their hands and knees anymore and play with them and play the toys. And you could see as I began to explain, as they do good, as they give their life away, that they become blessed. The Living Bible translation of Proverbs eleven seventeen says this, your own soul is nourished when you are kind. What a brilliant word, nourished. It is nourished when you are kind, when you do good. It is destroyed when you are cruel. Time and time again in my own life, I have known and I have experienced the truth of this ancient proverb written two and a half thousand years ago. As we take the focus off of our own lives, off of our own selves, it becomes a blessing to others and we too are blessed. I love it actually the times when I'm not feeling very good. You know, I might have had a bad day or I'm feeling sorry for myself or I'm grumpy or whatever those things, which is rare, by the way. And, um, but in those moments, in those times when you really don't feel like being nice or feel like being good, when you do good, it's like medicine to ourselves. And the, 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 uh, the creme de la creme is doing good anonymously. 
when only you and the Father knows what it is that you're doing and the person or the community who is receiving it. I know that many of you, as I look around, know this to be true. We are a generous people. We are a life-giving away to others people. I know many of you well and some of you not so well. And I know that you know that this to be true. This morning, we could just end it there and say, come on, guys, pat on the back. Let's keep going. Let's keep doing good. What I want to do is spend some time um, giving us some ideas and some thoughts that we might be cautious in our doing good. And also some encouragement for those of us who feel weary of doing good because it's actually really easy to become discouraged. So the first thing I want to look at here is doing good to those who deserve it. That might sound silly. And I'm not for one second uh, sort of saying, you know, uh, don't do good to any old random person or whatever. But there is limited time that we have, limited resources and energy that we have to spend and so let's spend it wisely. Proverbs 3:27 says this, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to act. The wise writer of Proverbs here is implying that indeed there are some that don't deserve it. A great biblical example of this can be found in 2 Thessalonians 3 uh, verses 6 to 15. We read this story we read a story about some people there that, that felt uh, led to set up a food bank. We just thought food banks were a modern day thing. No, in those days, this food bank was uh, set up and was there for the people, the people who were in need. And Paul hears from the church there that people were taking advantage of this free food. And he writes to the church saying, we command you, brothers, to keep away from every brother who is idle. People that were just taking the free food for granted and they weren't working for it. He reminds them of what he'd said. If a man will not work, he shall not eat. We hear that some among you are idle, that they are busy. They are busy bodies. We do and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the bread they eat. If anyone does not obey our instructions to this letter, take note of him. Do not associate with him. That's pretty clear and pretty straight, isn't it? Proverb is really clear. We are called to act and we are called to serve and we are called to love and we are called to help. But we're called to help those who genuinely need our help and not those who are simply sponging. A second word of uh, caution here is to do good to those. Um, we must ask the question, are we helping or hindering them? Proverbs 16:26 says, The appetite of laborers works for them. Their hunger drives them on. Hunger and need is what actually motivates many of us towards work. It's, it's what actually we need to actually get ourselves out of bed in the mornings and go and earn a day's work. Last week we looked at ants, didn't we, about how they 
uh, were very cautious about looking for food. If they didn't look for food, they would die. Consider any wildlife program with Attenborough or anyone else. And so much of what we see is about uh, birds and animals and sea creatures or whatever it might be, hunting, hunting, hunting. They spend so much of their day hunting, looking for food, looking for smaller ones that they can eat. Why? Because if they don't, they die. And what the proverb here is saying is we need appetite in order for us, or we need a hunger in order to make us work. And if we're taking away the hunger, or we are supplying the needs of others that don't need it, we're actually hindering and not helping. There's often tension surrounding our welfare system. Many people have many different ideas about this, and I don't want to get into too much detail or offer my own uh, kind of personal opinions on this, but I think it's probably fair to say that we would all agree on this, that it is good to be part of a culture and a society that has a welfare system, that does care for people who are in need, but that it is designed and allotted to those who actually need it. What frustrates many of us, isn't it, is when we see people or communities or places or projects that get funded and we step back and we think, my goodness, what a waste of money. We're just throwing money at that. And that's just not really um, helpful. When we give to charity, it is important that we are aware of how the money is being invested. Is it helping or is it hindering? We give, as many of you will know this because we highlight it often, we give to Stand By Me, a wonderful Christian charity which is run, is based uh, in Essex just outside London and we have offices here in Carrickfergus which Johnny uh, Farrell who is a part of our community uh, works for and uh, is in charge of the offices here. And it's important that we uh, know where our money is going and how it is being invested, and what projects are actually happening. Whilst we're on the subject, it's important that when we give to charity, we are prepared to ask difficult questions. Where does the money go? What does the charity claim to do? Does the charity actually do those things? Are the charity responsible for money? Are accounts audited? Are salaries justified? And in the wake of what we've learned just this week, from a really well-known relief and development charity. My goodness, how that could potentially have really altered and changed the face of charities and the way in which they do things. And that is going to affect every single charity in terms of the way that we do certain things. Whilst we're on the subject, I might remind you, people who are part of our church, that we are a limited, that we are a company. The church is set up as a limited company with charitable status. And if there are if you, any questions ever about finance or about policies or the way that we do things, then please do come and ask me and uh, we would be really happy to answer any questions that you might have. The third and caution, cautionary thing to consider is that we don't just do it, do our good things, our good deeds uh, for like for like. What, I, what do I mean by that? that? We're not just nice to one person in the hope that they'll re return the favor and repay the favor. You know, we have a dinner party and we invite Tom, Dick and Harry with the desperate hope that Tom, Dick and Harry will invite us back. And we just kind of spend ourselves kind of patting ourselves on the back. 
Jesus addressed this very thing when he was at the dinner party of a prominent Pharisee. This is what he said. When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers, your sisters, your relatives, your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back. And so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteousness of the righteous. Now let's make it clear. It's totally normal and acceptable to have your friends and family round for lunch. That's okay. But if all we are doing all the time is pleasing ourselves and inviting the people that we like in our lives around to our homes or meeting them for coffee all the time, then we're keeping the love. We're called to give it away. We're called to share the love of Jesus to other people. Consider the poor. Consider those in need. Our church helps the local food bank. We go into schools. We have people who do active listening. We partner with other organizations within our local community and further afield. We throw a fortnightly gathering called Diversity. We run a cafe every Friday and we invite people that we don't know in our community to be part of our community. And there's other things as well which many of you run and organize. And if I haven't mentioned yours, I'm sorry. But let's not just keep it to organize structured things by what we organize or you organize and lead as a church-based ministry. Do this yourselves. Do this in the comfort of your own homes. Do this in the comfort of your tea break or your coffee break with your colleague that no one else speaks to. Invite others into the story, into your lives, and be good and do good. But do not withhold. That's the key part of the proverb that we read just earlier. I don't want us to feel discouraged by what I'm saying. I want you to actually be encouraged, but to be mindful and to be thoughtful about how and to who in which we are giving our lives away. Do good. Do not withhold it. It brings nourishment to our souls, and it comes from the heart of the Father. It is an overflow of our relationship with God. A couple of other things, and then we'll pray. This is a word of encouragement uh, to those of you who it's never enough. Doing good is just never enough, and you know who you are. You're the St. Bernard's dogs. You're the ones with the little beer keg kind of underneath your kind of self here on your neck and you kind of go away and you do good here and then you do good there and you do good there and you're constantly, constantly doing good. And actually part and parcel of it is it's feeding your own brokenness and your own desire to actually give of yourself away and you never stop and you never receive good from the Lord and you never receive goodness from other people. And you never receive, and you never receive, because you're always giving, because you're always giving. And it never, ever feels good enough. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due, when it is in your power to act. And there are many times, aren't there, when we see need, and we see it, and it might even break our hearts, but we cannot do anything about it. And you're left that, that void and that feeling of guilt or of, oh, 
I just want to be, and you actually try to do something about it, but you can't do anything about it. Sometimes we're simply not in a position to act, or maybe the Father's not actually inviting us to act in that situation because he's called you to this situation over here. Give you a couple of examples. We have highlighted um, a couple of brilliant things in our church community. One recently was Care for Calais, highlighting the desperate, desperate needs of, of uh, refugees who are caught up and being just spread across this world of ours, but getting caught up on the northern shores of, uh, of northern Europe there. We highlighted it as a cause, and many of you gave generously of of unwanted clothes, and that is your power to act. Many of you, I'm sure, have, have, uh, have given towards that. Many of you, I'm sure, have prayed for it, and God has really laid it upon your hearts, and maybe some of you here will actually physically go in human flesh and visit some people. And some of us, we see it and we think, oh my goodness, that's absolutely terrible. That's awful. God's calling you elsewhere to give of yourself and your resources. It's your grind, it's your lane, it's the thing that he's inviting you into. Adoption and fostering is something that we've highlighted. It's something that many of us in our church community are directly involved in and will continue to, to kind of champion that. We feel like it's on us as a church community to do that. But for many of us here, you're never gonna do that. And that's okay. Support those who you do know who are part of that and champion them and say, you're doing such a great job. But I'm called to do this instead. Do you see where I'm going with this? Do you understand? It's like we have limited time, we have limited resources, and it is important that we invest what God has given us to those that he is inviting us into. No more and no less. When we do good, that we do no more and no less. The best, probably best known story within the scriptures about doing good to others is probably the parable that Jesus taught, the Good Samaritan. We're really, really well known story. It's a parable, it's not a true story, but he uses it. And uh, the person who was beaten up, and there's loads and loads of parallels and thing, points that Jesus was making from the story. Here are just two of them. The Good Samaritan stopped tended to the wounded man and paid for someone else to look after him while he went on his journey. He was, stopped, he was on his journey, came across the wounded, beaten up man, stopped, did what he could when he was on his journey and then continued his journey. So it stopped him in his tracks, but he didn't stop completely and put his life on hold. Now some of us, we'll have those moments when our life just gets put on hold. But in this situation, that was enough. It was enough just to stop, do what he could, and then move on. And the second thing is this. On his promised return from his trip, he went to the innkeeper, and he settled the bill and had a chat, and it's good to see you, and then left again. He didn't take the man back to his own home. He didn't give him some more cash and say, be well with you. He didn't go off to the local shoe shop and clothes shop and get him some clothes and some food and all the rest. He just did enough. Did what he could 
This is, I love this phrase, we use it often. He did what, do what you can where you are with what you've got. Let's just ponder that for 30 seconds, can we? Where are you physically tomorrow, Tuesday, next weekend? Where are you going to be? What or who are the people that God is inviting you to do good to? What can you do with what God has given you? And then go do that. Last point, and then we're landing. God remembers what we do. One of the hardest challenges about doing good is to continue to do good. Because we know how discouraging it can be. You see little changes despite your best efforts. Why should I bother? No one cares about what I'm doing. When people you loved and cared for turn their backs on you, it's easy to get discouraged and then retreat, withdrawing to this cold, cynical world of not caring and not doing anything about it. And I wonder, as I was writing this during the week, I kind of thought that's probably where some of us need to be encouraged by the Lord this morning. And God, I really think wants to minister and meet with many of you where you're at regarding this. Paul writes to the Galatians, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And then Jesus said, then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was ill and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. To those of us who feel weary doing good, keep doing it. Three brief things that will help sustain us. Bathe in the presence of Jesus. Go before him. Allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you deeply and give you the fuel that's going to keep you going. That's going to keep you running the race marked out for you. You can't give what you haven't got. So you need to go to the well and drink from him. The second is enjoy the gift of Sabbath. Enjoy the rest that God invites us into. Take it seriously, especially if you're working really super hard, is take the time out that you need to rest, to rest, and to rest. And then lastly, enjoy what brings you alive. 
enjoy the things that God has given you in your life that you look forward to doing at the weekend or during the week or whenever it is that you have that time. Go cook a new recipe, go walk the dog, go take pictures of nature, go to the movies, go do whatever it is that brings you alive and, and nourishes your soul as we continue to give of ourselves.